Uh, the backless pants, or fronts as we call them, really are popular. You're trying to keep a man cool when he's at the office all day. Yeah, these were pretty much based on chaps from the cowboy era. Oh, which chaps? And the cowboy chaps. You don't want to name them? The cowboy chaps who wore chaps? Right, the chaps who wore chaps. And believe me, if you're wearing backless pants, you're going to have chaps. Introducing themselves to you all the time. You're listening to Expertise, spelled wrong, the podcast where the world's most expert experts discuss their areas of expertise expertly. Expert comedy writer Claire Sarah and expert comedy writer Dan O'Sullivan bring their expertise to other unrelated expertises. Dan, our podcast today is all about the double-breasted suit. So we thought we'd probe your area what? of expertise. Spelled wrong? Naturally. Dano, I know that you are an expert on the double-breasted suit. Claire, I used to hate couture, but now I hate couture. That's on my business card. Oh, very nice. My business cards are available for a penny apiece. That's uh, one of the sidelines that I have in addition to my haberdashers. Now, a haberdasher, I always thought that was just for hats. A haberdasher is a seller either of men's clothing or corned beef and potatoes cut up together. Well, now we're already on the learning train. Woo, woo. Um, I know that our listeners get dressed up to listen to this podcast. That's one of the things that brought me onto your podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts in my pajamas, and I know mm. most of my friends do too. We have podcast listening parties mm. where folks put on a set of jammies, a nightie, you know, a slinky little something, or just a, a bathrobe. Sure, sure. But that's for your run-of-the-mill podcast. There's something about expertise that really makes the folks want to dress up. Put on a suit, pull out the pipe, sit it on down by the fire. I tell you, Claire, there are a couple of other podcasts where I'll put on a nice suit and a tie, but this is the only one that I wear spats for. Tell us how the double-breasted suit came to be, because obviously, clearly in the evolution of clothing, we started off with a single-breasted suit. Well, Claire, matching that in the evolution of mankind, we started off with a single-breasted person. I see wasn't until the 1840s, 1850s, we were starting to see kind of early versions of the double-breasted suit. There were uh, great tailors of the time. I'm sure sure you've heard of the great fashion idol, Bill Bixby. Um, was he the Incredible Hulk? Yes. That's not who I meant to say at all. Okay. Uh, there was the great fashion idol, uh, Boo Radley, who was famous for his... I think you might be talking about Bo Brummel. Bo Brummel is exactly who I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um Bo Brummel was one of the first wearers of the double-breasted suit. Now, he did not think to do the overlap. He had his two breasts flapping in the wind. It wasn't until 1875. The place was Cleveland, Ohio, mm. the St. Louis World's Fair, where they not only invented the ice cream cone, the French fry, the Ferris wheel, the Arc de Triomphe, and waffles were all invented at that World's Fair. What a time. What a time yeah. for mankind. It's hard to believe there was so much going on. So much going on. Including, finally, the yes. overlapping double-breasted jacket that is similar to what we know today. I've always wondered, you know, men love to, they love to have a pocket in their breasts. We, yeah. we ladies do, do not go for that. I feel somewhat responsible for that because I sure know a lot of ladies who would like one. What do you ladies want to carry anyway? Oh, gosh, Dano. I mean, the load. Yes, the weight of the world. Yeah, I could use a could use a good breast pocket for that. 
Um, but it always seemed to me that it was a little bit of a waste of space in the flap over mm. area. That's the thing with so much fashion, Claire, is that it's not really about practicality. It's about almost about impracticality in many cases. Think of the top hat, all that wasted space in there. Over time, men started using that space for various things. Abraham Lincoln was known to invert his top hat and build a little fire in there. Keep children warm. Roast chestnuts. Oh, my goodness. Those those were simpler times when a hat fire was illegal. It was not only legal, Claire. It was considered uh, good citizenship to build a fire in your hat and welcome the crowd in for warmth. You came into a bit of uh, controversy mm -hmm. because of your double-sided, double-breasted suit for the conjoined twins. Yeah, so this was kind of a three-in-one. We were excited beyond belief to get the call to do some special tailoring for these conjoined twins. It was a quick change sort of thing because they were featured in a performance at that World's Fair. The suit needed to be reversible. Mm. It was blue on one side and red on the other. So when they made their surprise reappearance, the suit itself would have changed colors. And the two brothers, Larry and Doyle, would actually turn up on the opposite sides. Oh my gosh. Larry was left and Doyle was right. But after the quick change, Doyle was left and Larry was right. How much did you charge people to watch this? Um, my work was done for a flat fee, but the, the cost to get in to see Larry and Doyle, the fabulous changing mm. conjoined twins, was 25 cents, which at the time of this World's Fair, that was a pretty penny. You could also get in for a pretty penny. And those are hard to come by. It's a shame how that how that ended. Do you mean the act or the the whole fire that brought down the World's Fair? The fire that brought down the World's Fair is what I was referring to. Although you did seem to, I don't want to say you prospered from that tragedy, but you did seem to prosper. Yeah. We had provided the firemen's suits. We wanted the firemen to look good and we weren't concerned with their safety because most of the time, they were shooting water out of hoses, yards, yards away from the fire. Weren't you in some trouble for insisting that the firemen wore double-breasted uniforms? Yes, which can be clumsy under certain circumstances. Extra flammable fabric. Extra flammable fabric at the time was considered desirable. Oh. This was the era of just fires everywhere all the time. Things were always catching on fire. And it sort of became almost a fashion. There were theater fires. There were hospital fires, skyscraper fires. And so in society, mm. people were almost expected to be able to go up in flame in a moment. I, I had not realized that that had become a fashion, a plum to be able to burst in. But now that you're saying it, it makes complete sense for the time. So many of New York's famous 500, gone tragically before their time in fires that could have been avoided, but were desired at that time because just because of the, it was a fad. Well, and like, and like so many fads, it's like, oh, get us on fire, get us on fire quickly. We need the fame. We're not thinking about is somebody looking towards putting us out. Yeah. And that is not the job of a haberdasher, Claire. The job of a haberdasher is to provide what the client is asking for. And, you know, we've seen other fads come and go. There was the crenellated headgear, the turtleneck made from actual turtles. And you had that um, flint rock pants, that just the very friction of walking. Claire, the, the flint rock pants, one, the friction of walking, as you say, stirring up those sparks with every single stride. Two, the flint rock itself is completely 
uncreasable. You can't bend your legs as you're moving. You also can't inhale or exhale. There's no give in the waistline. So if your pants did go up in flame, you're not going to be able to blow them out because you're, you can't take in that big gust of air that you need because your damn pants are so tight. So this was just a horrible mix. It was a perfect storm. You had men in their spark-causing pants. You had men and women in their flammable fabrics, which they've asked for as part of the fashion craze. You get these all together at a ball, let's say, at a party, and uh, the conversation is happening. I mean, literally. Mm. The sparks start wow. flying. This puts a, a whole new spin on the fires of the time for me. And also, I'm, I'm guessing it's what put the dash in Haberdasher. Yes, it's- because the firemen were wearing flammable outfits as well. Somebody had to dash in and put out those fires. And the only people who really understood what was going on were the Haberdashers. The Habers, as they were called at the time. Right. But they'd come dashing in. And they were the ones who had the sense not to wear flammable clothes. They were the ones who had the sense not to wear flint rock pants. Right. You know, the tailor's child is poorly dressed. The cobbler's child wears no shoes. The bus driver's Mm. child uh, has a car. Is that how the expression goes? And And the, the pastor's child just killed your mother. Yeah. So out of everyone, the Habers were the ones who weren't worried about fitting in with fashion. And we were, mm, we, interesting. our people were able to get in there and finally do some good for the people that they had harmed. So. So that uh, World's Fair, 1875, that was in Chicago. And of course we know about the great Chicago fire. Started by a cow. Well, what are cows made of, Claire? Leather. Leather. Leather is right. What are clothes made of? Leather. Exactly. Where did the flammable clothes come from, Claire? Cows. Yeah. Boy, we know that they're inflaming our environment. It's a double danger. You've Mm. got men in sparking pants, and you've got methane-emitting cows all in one place. Are you telling me the city is not going up? It's almost like like that's what they wanted. It was quite a tragedy. That was the, the fire of 1875. The invention of French fries was not coincidental. It was a potato stand before the fire started. Dano, I think it's really interesting for our listeners to also note how entrenched fashion is in the history of America. We have fashion icons here. You come from a fashion icon family. Yes, we have uh, Junto, we have Javier. Yes. We have Jacques Tati. Yes. And Montrose. Those are the four sisters of the family who are famous for their dressmaking dashery. And I would point out that none of the fabrics that they use are flammable. Not any longer. There's a spray you can buy, Claire, that any flammable clothing can be sprayed with this. I think it's called um, water. That you spray on the fabric and it mm-hmm. makes it not flammable anymore. This is safe for almost any fabric except for wool, which is not naturally flammable anyway. And really smells bad when yeah. it's sprayed with yeah. that. But you don't see sheep going up in flame. I have not. Yeah. I have not, although now I'm thinking about the runways next year in France. The expertise spelled wrong podcast is free. And like the Amish, all are welcome. Be sure to sign up for our email announcements at funnypodcast.co and follow us in your favorite podcast app, like the expert podcast listener we know you are.
Uh, thank you, Claire. It's great to be an expert here with you. Thanks, thanks, Dana. We have we have now we have ended. We're not recording anymore. So, okay. Thank you. That was a really great recording, and um, I hope you don't mind if we get a fact checker. Uh, I actually kind of do mind a little bit. A lot of this material was copyrighted. Well, I mean history. I mean the historical parts, the knowledgeable, the facts are right. But the order I put the words in, that's all mine, and I, I would feel a little self conscious being fact checked on that. Are you afraid of being fact-shamed? I'm afraid of coming on your podcast with no payment and having my words, my wisdom, and my knowledge used in ways against my will. I, I think you misunderstand what fact-checking means. This is a, a podcast on experts, yes. from experts, by experts. What you're saying is I'm the expert, so why, why belittle me? Why try to disprove what I'm saying? I'd rather look at it. Like we would be big in you by saying, yeah, this is everything he said checks out. These are facts. These okay. are true facts. Well, as long as you're going to say that everything checks out and they're true facts, that sounds great. You should have just That's said That's what so. we do. We, I ha we have a stamp, actually. I wish you had said that. You're going to stamp check me. We're going to stamp check your I'm face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a little uffish. No, it's okay. I understand. I mean, it's a tough world right now. People are, oh, this fact, this, and this fact, that. What are some other experts that you've had to fact check? Well, we did have uh, a little bit of problem with a flat earther. Oh, because that's rubbish. Yes. So is that what your fact checking says? That Do you agree with what he says automatically? Does he get the stamp? Oh, I, our fact checking doesn't agree or disagree with our experts. Oh, it just ascertains that he said what he said. The, yes. Yeah. Got it. It, was, it came from this person's mouth. That's a fact. It would simplify things, I think, immensely. I'm, you know, I don't want to tread on your territory here. But what if you just had me repeat what I say twice? And how does that help? Well, rather than have a third party come in and verify that I've said what I said, I could just say what I said again, thus verifying oh. myself in the process. You could self-verify. Yes, I could self-verify. I could self-verify. See? See, I would have to identify myself beyond a doubt before I could verify myself. Right. We'd have okay. to know it's you for a fact. Got it. All right. Well, I feel like I ran roughshod over you there, and I apologize. I didn't understand what you were trying to accomplish. I could just show you my driver's license here. And, oh, okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you put that in the show notes? Just, show we notes. just asked for a driver's license and a credit card, front and back. Okay. Okay. Is there okay. any fee attached to this? I know a lot of podcasts are charging their guests.